It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. All right, boys and girls, we are back with another edition of the Ben Dominich podcast brought to you by Fox News. You can check out all of our podcasts at foxnewspodcast.com. I hope you will rate, review and subscribe to this one and share it with a friend if you find it of interest. Today, my guest is Jack McGuire of Barstool Sports. He walks us through uh, some of the early dynamics of the NFL season and what's going on within the world of sports media from his own perspective. And, of course, there's a good bit of conversation about sports gambling as well. Jack McGuire from Barstool coming up next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Jack McGuire, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. Of course. So I'm happy to be here. I, uh, I have to ask you this, and I will first tell you, uh, the story of my experience. Uh, there was the uh, game of the year this uh, weekend in honor of Her Majesty the Queen yeah. who passed away, uh, which was, uh, of course, the 53 and a half over in the BYU-Baylor game. And uh, Big Cat over at Barstool obviously made this the centerpiece, the game of the year. Um, and I faded him on it, and it had to have been the most satisfying three hours or so of of my gambling life <laughs> to see him go through the torture of that experience and then almost make it at the end. I was actually rooting at the end for him to beat me because I was so compassionate for this man. How satisfying right, so- does it feel as a gambler to fade Big Cat? I never intentionally fade him. I actually, I will never intentionally do it. On Thursday night, I was on the under and the NFL's opening game, Rams-Bills, and I tweeted it out and everyone called me. There's a term in the Barstool world called a scale, which is essentially like a snake or like a rat against the family because Big Cow was big on the over. But Saturday night, I didn't fade him. But my, my favorite play of the weekend was BYU minus the point. So at the end... I was, I was definitely not cheering for that. Well, every time that BYU had it, you screwed, you screwed me though on that that BYU Fresno. Uh, what was the what was the other combo that you had? Uh, oh, I had the I had Fresno, I had Fresno against Oregon State, and Fresno scored with like forty seconds left, and then they allowed Oregon State yes. to go all the way down the field and score in the last play. Yeah, that was pathetic. <laughs> but, but can I can I just tell you? I've never been to Fresno State. I have no. I don't care about their their uh, uh, sports success at all. And I was so mad at them because I followed your advice. <laughs> I, I I couldn't believe that was like when they. So there was kind of they blew it twice. Yeah. There was a part, and when then they came back down the field, and I was like, oh wow, they they scored and they made it. They made they made sure they completed the comeback. And then they missed the extra point, and I was like, oh, this is not good. And 
Fresno State really let me down. They really did. The uh, the Bulldogs. So, but when you are the skill, when people are messaging you and saying, "Hey, man, you know, you took uh, you you took the opposite side of something that one of our you know major personalities has done." Uh, like, is that not allowed? Is that something that the barstool world kind of frowns upon, uh, or does it just well, like, kind of tag you? Big, like, if I told Big Cut I was on the under, he wouldn't care at all. Like, uh, uh, there is a kind of a weird thing where, you know, the uh, the show West, uh, West Wing. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know the famous scene where it's like there's a they're talking about how a guy falls in a hole and then then the the doctor comes by the priest da, 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 and then the friend <laughs> goes into the hole and says and then the guy in the hole's like wait a second why'd you come in here now we're both in here and the friend says i've been in here before i know the way out it's a very common <laughs> phrase used around here because if you don't ride on like the big games with the big personalities it is kind of seen as like you're going against them. But as long as you don't do it all the time and mm-hmm. they know it's not intentional, it doesn't matter. But in the Barstool world, the fans, sometimes they'll uh, lash out at you. But that's any fan of any, like, anything. Yeah. Obviously, Big Cat has a much, much, much bigger following. There's a lot more fans. And they came at me for – but I was not on the under <laughs> on the game of the year. I would never intentionally fade the game of the year. I love being on It's that. bad karma. I, I love being on that under. It was it was it was one of the most like I said, it's one of the most satisfying gambling experiences I've ever had. And I and I felt for him at the end. I wanted him to beat me. <laughs> so um I have to ask you, you have this um you have this excellent story that you tell about how you ended up where you are and just the randomness of it. The yeah. the um uh you know the tailgate Heisman experience and everything else. I'm curious, did you read the Ethan Strauss piece that was going around relatively recently uh, about Buzz Bissinger and the old days of sports blogs? No, but I should, because that does sound very... So I was kind of at the the tail end of, like, there's still sports blogs, obviously, but I was on the tail end of the real popularity of them. Mm-hmm. Well, what one of the things that he point, uh, points to and one of the points that he makes is basically that he got to be an NBA reporter on the Golden State Warriors basically the same way that you got to be where you are, which is sort of landing in this weird netherworld of sports blogging uh, where he was associated you know, with being kind of a nerd about a specific team, specific franchise. Um, and then sort of elevated himself. But one of the points he makes was there wasn't a ladder that all these sports writers were kind of writing and there wasn't a ladder anymore to, to reach the pinnacle that they had achieved. Uh, It certainly seems to me that your, your path, your sort of odd path to barstool is indicative of that. Yeah, no, it is. And I've thought, like, when I went to school, I never even thought about studying sports journalism. Mm -hmm. We had sports – I went to Fordham University in the Bronx. There is sports journalism there. Not sports, but I think journalism major. I mean, there should be sports journalism. I mean, Lombardi coached there. Yeah, yeah. Vince Scully Scully went there. So did uh, Mike Breen, uh, who's the top NBA guy on ESPN now. But, yeah, there – 
I am a perfect example and I'm lucky of it. And I know I'm lucky, but I am an example of how the gatekeepers around sports media don't exist as much anymore. Um, if you want to be a play-by-play announcer, they do exist. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do like bizarre commentary and just all you really need now is, and back in the day, all you needed was a computer. Now all you really need is a phone. And if you have the ability and confidence to record yourself and allow yourself to get better, it's like those barriers are not as the ladder isn't there as much. It's not like you have to go mm-hmm. cover D3 football in North Dakota, uh, with the hopes of one day covering Michigan football. It's so weird because, you know, when I was, I remember um, uh, going to college and, uh, you know, I'm a good bit older than you, but when my family didn't have cable, we were not, you know, a cable household. And when I went to college, it was the first time that I had a TV that got uh, ESPN. And I remember watching it back then and that, that being a big deal. And paying attention to kind of the ESPN universe of commentators, you know, and everybody and, uh, and that kind of thing. And then, and even paying attention to like the, the moves that they made, you know, the fact that like Rich Eisen left them for NFL network was like a weird thing, you know, that happened. Um, and you know, then I would never have expected the fact that 20 years later, when I go to look for sports commentary, I go to Barstool Twitter feeds. I go to uh, uh, Pardon My Take and Will Compton's podcast. I go mm-hmm. to I go to um, That's Good Sports on YouTube and John Boy and you know some yep. of these other you know great YouTube channels that are out there. It's it's just a very different world in terms of the ecos- uh, ecosystem of sports commentary than I ever thought could exist. You know, back in the day. Tell me a little bit about your perspective as, be, as being kind of part of that, about what's going on there and how this kind of process of, of sports analysis and humor and and opinions has been democratized. No, yeah, I I'm probably a lot like you and I find the media aspect of the moves and whatnot very interesting and in how. These things, like, I mean, I am a part of Barstool, but things like Barstool and even The Enemy that was and kind of doesn't exist anymore, Deadspin and all these random, someone could write or do, uh, God knows how many, how long of a documentary or a book about it. But I find it very interesting because it's like ESPN had this massive lead, like, and they still do, don't get me wrong, they're Disney, they got billions of dollars, but they didn't let their individuals, uh, who do have personalities exist outside of like they gave Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless the, okay, you can go. But look, the most popular people at ESPN now are Scott Van Pelt, who's allowed to show his personality at night. Yep. Um, And then probably like Stephen A. Smith, I'm probably forgetting a few, but that goes to show how like the unexpected, no one expected Barcel or John boy or anything like that to come in and the unexpected changed the whole media sphere. Uh, it's I'm talking a lot in like a bunch of different directions, but it's it's very interesting. And ESPN definitely is at. I mean, 
they had to attack social media. They attack it pretty well, but they had to bring in one of their biggest acquisitions was a guy named Omar. I forget his last name, but he ran an Instagram page. He started at UCF when he was 18 years old. Now he gets paid seven figures by ESPN because he's a personality and he helps run like all of their social medias. Mm. That's like insane to think about. He was he's he was 18 years old and he just started this NBA highlights account, and then now he gets paid a million to probably more than that by ESPN. It's it's crazy. I mean, I'm, like, I'm old yeah. enough to remember when uh, PFT Commenter was uh, just one of the guys at uh, Kissing Susie Colbert. And, you know, I, I know a couple of the other KSK, you know, sort of guys. And um, and just like the depravity and hilarity of that blog was something that gave me like endless amounts of of uh, of uh, humor. And also, I mean, I still remember some of the funniest stuff uh, that they published, which I'm sure that Drew McGarry would now deny. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but it's it's one of these things where, like, there was this aspect of hilarity and authenticity of like this is i mean the way i would put it is this what i feel like you get with barstool what you get with some of these other places is you get the smartest guy in the bar you get the guy who's at the end of the bar who knows the most Mm. about sports and maybe some of his stuff is bs but it's entertaining yeah. BS and and, yeah, 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 yeah. and you like it and you want to like bounce stuff off of him and you want to be his pal and you want to buy him a drink when, you know, when he's losing or when, you know, he's, he's throwing his hands in the air because his team is doing something dumb. And with ESPN, everything just seems so corporate and so managed. And so mm. the personalities all basically have to be the same. I was watching my wife doesn't understand sports, so she comes at it from like the external, you know, uh, of someone who understands media, but doesn't understand sports. And she was watching, mm-hmm. uh, me watch the ESPN like morning show, uh, before the games yesterday. And she was like, you know, how's Sam Ponder doing? You know, what was, you know, what's, you know, how's she adapted to things? I was like, honestly, hun, you could replace her with anybody else. And I yeah. wouldn't even notice. And and I say yeah. that without any disrespect, because I don't I don't think she's like a dumb person or anything like that. But like it's all just, you know, corporate person in a box kind of a thing. And the only person who's allowed to have personality is Rex Ryan. And so it's like yeah. it's just but anyway, it it just is a very interesting media dynamic because it's not true of political media. It's not true of lots of other areas of media. But within the yeah. sports world, it seems to be true. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Why is it not like – I think there are some – I I'm, I don't follow all political media, but I do keep a really close eye on it. And I know there's like personal – not personal friends, but internet friends, I guess I'd say, which is a bizarre thing to say. But I've never met them. But people like Greg Price, whose Twitter now is like one of the best out Swear. there and yeah. is a must-read. But he started as like a social media coordinator, I think, at the Daily Caller. And now he's, I don't know exactly what he's doing, but I think he's working on whatever he's doing, like consulting with whatever. He showed, it's, I think there are little aspects of it, but sports is probably because it's, at the end of the day, sports is awesome and sports is everything in terms of culture, but it's not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why people like it, because typically sports, barstool, even still ESPN and the people you mentioned, I still think are really, really talented. They're just different talents. 
Like they fit in that corporate ESPN media role really great. They maybe they do well here. I'm not sure. I know I wouldn't do well at ESPN, but these people they they understand that are the people that consume the media usually consume it as a way to get away mm-hmm. um, as a way to like, maybe it's a shitty day at work. Uh, maybe yeah. it, who knows? Like everyone has a lot of issues in this world and sports is a way to kind of get away. And sometimes ESPN, and I'm sure you agree with me on this. They, they don't focus as much on the sports and they, or the comedy aspect. And you, the thing you're trying to get away from yeah. then pops up again. And you're like, oh, man, like, where do I even go? <laughs> and, and, that's, and, that's where, go- and that's where I feel like there's a, a real missed opportunity because I mean, kind of what Barstool has latched onto is the absurdity of these sports. And uh, but like loving the absurdity, embracing it, not mocking it, but understanding that like the fans love it because it's absurd and we love it because it's absurd because we're seeing these guys in these outfits chase a ball around the field, uh, you know, and because we love, we you know we're not going to mock the people who jump into tables that are on fire. We're going to love them, you know? Yeah. And so that, that to me is just, you know, what makes, you know, the, the good coverage of sports that comes from your organization that comes from these other YouTube channels and the like, it makes it so enjoyable because it does say, no, we understand this is an escape. This is an escape from uh, the degradations of work and home life and everything else. To me, I think that the, the the thing that you get at that is deeper, and this is and this is something that I I think is is really interesting, is that sports are meant to unify on a level. They are supposed to bring our humanity together in a way, and. So what I one of the things that I think about that when when I look at you know sort of the the way that Barstool approaches this and the way that you know some of these other folks we mentioned approach it is that they understand the human unifying nature of being able to root for teams against each other uh, or together even if we have all of these other disagreements and when ESPN uh, rolls into these territories of division as they did with Jamel Hill and as they did with so many other people who they've, you know, promoted over the years, um, you know, it, it takes that away from us. And in a sense, robs the social benefit of sports from us. Yeah, no, I think sports is incredibly unifying. I can think of so many examples um, and it shows that human aspect that it's like, no, we like to be together in a group with the same goal. And sometimes I get taken away for much bigger reasons. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, I I still watch ESPN sometimes and it's frustrating. But the cool thing is, and I hope and the Internet still like in 10 to 15 years, still allowing these nobodies become somebodies <laughs> uh, is it's like, hey, if I don't like this, um, I can go watch something else. Like even if it's like. Hey, I don't even like the coverage of this event. You can like, there's people who like we do it at Barstool. It's like you like can watch with Barstool personalities. Or I work a lot with our European soccer fan, our soccer content creators, and they watch every game on YouTube. And they have a timer in the bottom so you can sync it up. So let's say you're like, no, I don't like this. 
I don't like the people talking or how they're covering it. Da, 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 da. You can just mute it and the game's on. And then this guy, whether it's Dave, Big Cat, <laughs> Expressions, Troops, uh, you can name a billion people. It's like, hey, and it's a lot more personal. It's like you just said 10 minutes ago. Mm. You're at the bar. You're not <laughs> listening. There's a lot of great commentators, but you're not listening to yeah. like the boring guy so, or, or girl. Let me ask you. Um... Uh, let me ask you a couple questions about this NFL uh, season. Um, there, there seems to me to be, you know, a lot of interesting storylines about this season. Uh, it seems like the full. It, it, it really does seem like the first season where we're fully back, because last year yes. it was kind of partially back, um, and you know, you still had like covid protocols and and teams that we're going to deal with like you know suspensions and things like that and this time around i really don't think that's going to be a problem knock on wood what do you see as kind of the dominant storylines headed into this season um and you know particularly what do you think are kind of the you know if you had to list like a top three controversies or sort of big questions hanging over teams what would those be yeah um number i think it's there's a lot of the – this is a common theme in the NFL, but a lot of questions about quarterbacks. Um, you know, Kyler Murray just got a new contract. He gets blown out yesterday. Uh, Lamar Jackson denied his contract and bet on himself, and he played really – I really like Lamar Jackson. I think he's phenomenal. Then you have guys like Daniel Jones, who this is probably his last chance with the Giants. They won yesterday. Tua Tagovailoa. Darn them uh, on for the winning. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were in several parlays that I had on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a – that was a yeah, so the quarterbacks of like – and then you could even – I'm a Jets fan. And it's like Zach Wilson, he's going to come back once he's healthy. But it's – there's – I'm definitely missing some. But like look at – how much, how much did you appreciate that RG3 line about uh, Zach Wilson that ran during the BYU game? Um, what did he say? Oh, you I, it. RG... He, said, he said, you know, they really loved that uh, that uh, Zach Wilson when he was here at BYU. You know, he had that uh, 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 dog fight in him, and he was loyal to Cougars. <laughs> <laughs> nah, RG3, if... RG three is one of like I hope ESPN just allows him to do what he says because he's like so cringe and whatnot that he's funny. And I, he was RG three was when BYU or Baylor was driving that last drive. He kept saying things like, "Oh, they're going to use all four downs here." Yeah, yeah, they're well, yeah, overtime. Yes, they are. Of course, man. He quoted, "Yeah, they are." Dark Knight four times in the fourth quarter. (laughs) He did. He did. He did say that you either you you live long enough to become the villain or whatever. But he uh, other storylines. Uh, I think the Cowboys have turned into a massive storyline. It's like, wait, are they going to be the worst team in the league now? With Dak being hurt, they have a lot of offensive line injuries. And then uh, third, I mean, it's like Tom Brady's still the guy. Yeah. Is he still the guy? He looks. And then, obviously, there's all the off-the-field stuff with him, too. You don't really know if it's true or not. It's like, how much do you put into the New York Post? Who knows? No disrespect to them, but, like, who knows where they get, like, uh, the, oh, there's a lot of fighting between him and Giselle. But yeah. he's 45 years old, and the offense last night for the Bucks, even though they didn't score in the red zone, looked like he doesn't look 45. No. So. And typically with the Bucks, he struggled earlier in the season and turned it on. 
now it looks like he's just humming. Yeah. So I one of thing that I uh, feel like is a is going to be a major storyline this season. And I'm not just saying this because uh, I I had them in the game, but uh, the Bills, can they go all the way? Can they go all the way with this Josh Allen-led team? And, you know, I was just so impressed, the the offense that Ken Dorsey was running. You know, and look, I I mean, maybe I'm a softie and maybe this is like a generational thing just because I remember Ken Dorsey, but, like, I am such a sucker for – offensive coordinators who used to be really good quarterbacks with with weak arms you know who could never actually do like all the things they knew that they wanted to do when it came to the nfl and uh i just feel like man this i mean if i was a bills fan i would feel i would feel nervous because i would be like this feels like it might actually be the moment uh just given the way that the afc kind of stacks up what do you think about that no the bills yeah and the addition of Von Miller, he looked great on, on Thursday night. Josh is – the AFC does look wide open. It's like the Chiefs will still be the Chiefs. But, like, you look at mm-hmm. – it, like, you look at what happened yesterday with the, the Bengals didn't look good. I mean, I don't want to overreact too much the week one, but that could be a big storyline too. It's like, is Joe Burrow as good as the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Tom Brady's, or – is he still like a tier below? We know he's good, but yeah. it's like how good. Yeah. Um, but the Bills, yeah, I mean, I would feel a little nervous if I was a Bills fan because it's like everyone's predicting us to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that would that would definitely make me feel a little eh. But they looked good on Thursday night. I'll, I'll give them that much. They really did. And I, I don't know who's – it's them and the Chiefs mm-hmm. in the AFC right now, at least in my opinion. So the um, – I, I have to ask you as a as a Washington Redskins fan, uh, this new franchise and uh, Carson Wentz, I mean, they beat the Bengals yesterday. Wentz had uh, a really good day. They, I mean, he threw mm-hmm. for over 300 yards. He had four touchdowns. You know, personally, I wasn't a big fan of the signing because I think that he's – uh, you know, a, a mid-tier quarterback, you know, very up and down. But this is also a pretty weak division. And, uh, you know, uh, is this a situation where you think that they could actually have some success? Uh, or do you think that I should uh, uh, basically just plan on everything, uh, you know, uh, continuing to disappoint me as it has for decades? <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm pretty much the uh, op or same as you in the other side with the Jets. Mm-hmm. It's like we're both in the East and we both sometimes have hope and then it just all falls apart. But I think the commanders actually, like, they look pretty good. Uh, I, I'm probably, like if you had to rank people and their opinions on Carson Wentz, I'm definitely higher than most people. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like he has this weird curse. It's like, yeah, he throws for 300 yards. <laughs> he throws for four touchdowns. But then... He throws an interception to a defensive lineman. Like yeah. it's like, how does? Like, and then it's like, oh, the Colts look really good. They're going to be like sleepers in the playoffs. All they have to do is beat the the Jaguars, and they lose to the Jaguars. <laughs> it's like he's he's. It's almost perfect with yeah. PFT uh, PFT or as he's calling himself now PFT Commander, um, <laughs> uh, being like Carson Wentz being his quarterback. It's just it's one of those things, and 
I know we're not we're just circling back to the Barcelona discussion. It's weird. It's like all these things have broken right for Barcelona. It's like the Patriots were really good. Yep. The Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics were really good. And then it's like these, like now it's like you have guys like PFT Commenter and, oh, they he gets the guy who's made fun of the most forever on his team. <laughs> and it's so – I I'm actually kind of high on them. The East is weird. It's like I think the Eagles, Giants, and and Commanders are all going to compete for that first spot, and they're all pretty close to each other. But then it's like I think the Cowboys, and I'm sure you take a lot of pride in this. They're I think they're they're in trouble. Yeah, I and I think Jerry Jones knows it too. I, I you could see it agree. on his face. Yeah, no. he was walking into the locker room last night like this is bad. I I, I like Jerry because um, as much as I uh, hate his franchise because you can read his face completely and he reacts exactly as I would if I were in his same position. So yeah, he's <laughs> he wears it on his sleeve. He's, he's somebody that like last night. I I saw the clip of him walking in the locker room after the game, and he probably at that point knew that Dak's hand needed surgery. And I looked at him, and I think I saw in his face, and I'm I'm not saying anything, but I think he's getting to his point. He's like, I don't know how many more years I've left. There's mm-hmm. not unlimited time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's like if if this doesn't work, it's like I'm sure Jerry will be around for a, a while, but I'm. I'm sure he hears that clock ticking a little yeah. bit. And he wants to see another Super Bowl or two. So, um, so Jack, let's uh, let's go out on this. I, um, you know, I love kind of the the uh, the fact that Barstool has become essentially, you know, a part of this gambling universe that it didn't even exist when it was founded, um, and and you all give advice. You all give you know sort of. Uh, tips and and you know guidance uh, that people accept uh, and embrace uh, in in ways that probably end up with most of them losing money. I, I'm just curious what is what is the process that you go through before you say I'm just going to send this pick out or this this decision that I have out into the world, understanding that people may. Or may you know may lose hundreds of dollars, you know, no, thousands yeah. of dollars over over the over the course of the next hour based on what I just suggested. Um, yeah. So, funny enough, I like one of my biggest storylines in my Barcelona tenure was in 2019, and uh, probably the worst football game ever. I received the tip that from a reputable source that UMass was like trying to essentially throw a game uh, because they don't like their coach. A lot of players were suspended and they were going up against a team that looked like they were playing pretty decent. And I tweeted and I blogged it and put it out there. And I didn't say that exactly, but I didn't, I did infer it. And I said, this is like, I, I said in the blog, like, do you want to be a part of history or not? And it was UMass against Akron. In 2019, and Akron was minus nine. They lost by 14 or whatever. I still hear about it, rightfully so. And people were sending me their bet slips and that it, hundreds of thousands of dollars, not individual, but added up. A lot of people took it. Now, I think about that still. And I think everyone, I'm a big believer in like, individuals own will over themselves it's like 
if I take a pick from Big Cat and it loses, I'm not going to yell at him. Um, but there is a responsibility. But then again, it's like if you're looking to me to like betting something that should be entertaining and done responsibly and you do want to like make some extra money, but you should never bet anything that you're like you can't lose or you come <laughs> close to it. So, but you do have to understand there is some responsibility. So I do like, I mean, every time, everything I put out there, like I put my money on too. So like when they lose, it loses. Like I lose too. But sometimes, I mean, who knows? It's like people will lose less than me. People will lose more than me. But yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I do encourage people to bet responsibly. Uh, and, uh, and I do believe that you work in an office full of gambling addicts. Uh, who all need right. all no 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 we're all <laughs> properly trained and we bet responsibly <laughs> exactly exactly Jack, yeah, thanks no, so yeah, much 100%. for taking the time to join me today all right thank you more of the ben dominish podcast right after this so i wanted to share with you all a perspective on what's going on within the world of uh, politics as it relates to the culture war there was a big piece on Friday in Politico that ran through a number of different reasons why they believe Democrats are actually winning the current culture war. And I really reject it. I just don't think that it's true. And I think that one of the things we should pay attention to going forward is how much uh, the world of, of media and political analysis starts embracing this idea that Republicans are losing the culture war and need to run away from it. Seems to me like it's a lot of wish casting and gaslighting and that Republican candidates really should not uh, be at all averse to talking about culture war issues. In fact, when we look at the polling, there really is no basis to believe that Democrats are winning on the culture war issues. In fact, there's a lot of basis to believe that they're losing. But one of the things that I do think is a dynamic here is that Democrats would like to turn the entire election 2022 narrative into a referendum on the abortion issue, something where they believe they have an advantage. Personally, I just don't think that's the case, and I think that Republicans should lean into the situation as it relates to abortion in the post-Dobbs world. But until these candidates actually learn that lesson, I think that there's a lot of people who are going to take the wrong one from it, that they ought to run away from this issue. Of course, that's a mistake, and it ends up abandoning the field to a pro-abortion candidate. I'm Ben Dominich. We'll be back soon with more of this podcast to dive back into the fray. everybody, it's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.